Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, those joining us through our online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could be with us as well. I am so excited about this next segment because it not only features one of my good friends, but also a best-selling author that has pretty much written a little bit of everything. We're excited to welcome back Crystal Hubbard to our broadcast today. She's having uh, quite the season in her own literary journey. We're going to talk to her not only about her own love of writing, but what it's been like for her to share that in so many different ways with audiences of all ages. She has a new book that's coming out this year. We're going to talk to her about that. It's available for pre-order for you guys right now, but also a lot of great books that you guys can actually check out in her catalog on Amazon as well. Crystal, thank you again for stopping back by. Glad to speak with you again. Thank you for inviting me, and it's good to talk to you. Well, Crystal, there's so much that we can talk about because, I mean, you have been, I mean, it seems like a part of my life for quite some time, but you've been a part of readers' lives for quite some time as well. As I mentioned, you've been able to write for different ages over the years. You've been able to see your audiences change and grow. Talk to us about that. I know you don't slow down enough. Both of us, I think, are guilty of that. But what has it been like for you to kind of think about the impact you've had just through words for the world? I don't even think about it that way, really, because, you know, I have children, I have a, a husband, I have, a, have all these pets, I have a mother and a bunch of sisters that live nearby, so there's a whole other world outside of writing that, that takes up a great deal of my time and attention, so I really don't think a whole lot about the impact I might be having. I think the the biggest way, the best way I can frame it is through the work I do volunteering, uh, conducting writing workshops at public schools. That, I think, has been the greatest reward in terms of the impact I can have or have had on other readers. Like, occasionally I'll get students who come to my front door with copies of my older books for me to sign, and then they'll come back years later, and I won't even recognize them because they'll be taller than me. They will be driving. They will have these manly voices. And I'm thinking, you look familiar. But And then I remember, oh, yeah, I, I signed a book for you. And that, I think, is the most rewarding thing, when, when a kid um, tells me that one of my stories has resonated with them enough for them to just keep it under their hearts for a long time and to, to actually seek me out to sign the book for them because it meant so much to them. That's what happened with Catching the Moon. It's been my most successful picture book and in many ways the most beloved because I think girls and boys like it almost equally, which kind of surprised me. I knew girls would like it because girls are wicked smart. And I thought the boys would <laughs> like the baseball aspect of it, but they get it too to my yeah. great appreciation. You know, I went back, uh, thanks to now podcasting, uh, we're celebrating 15 years of podcasting this year, 20 years of the radio show, but nine years ago you were on this program, Crystal, celebrating Alive and Unharmed. Um, and now here you are 
hearing all this history, I mean, was this a path that you saw coming where you would go from creating your own characters to now being able to introduce and in some cases reintroduce us to individuals who we thought we knew of? Well, I have always tried to write about who I call the – well, I've tried to avoid writing about people who I call the usual suspects, which doesn't sound flattering, but in terms of black history, which people seem to not realize is also American history, you get tons of books about Jackie Robinson and Harriet Tubman and Martin Luther King, but there are so many more stories that I think need to be told if you want to understand the full richness and depth of contributions that every type of American has made to this country. And those those are the stories that I really strive to tell. I've got one under my skin right now that I am just dying because I want everybody to know about this person, but I'm afraid if I tell everybody before I get a book contract for it, somebody else is going to beat me to it. It's those, yeah. it's those, those meddling author illustrators. That's, that's the new thing out there. Well, it's not new, but when you can illustrate and write a book, like Don Tate, oh, my goodness. I don't know if you've seen the work of Don Tate, but it's brilliant. His illustrations are gorgeous, and his stories are just absolutely wonderful. One of my favorite books by him is called Whoosh, and it's the story of the man who created Super Soakers. And there's a two-page, two-page illustration spread in the center of, book, of the book where it talks about um, uh, Lonnie Johnson trying to come up with the, with the design for the um, Super Soaker. And it's, he's like being a DJ at a disco while this idea is percolating in his mind. And just the drawing of that disco scene, because, you know, I lived through disco, hey. And it, um, <laughs> it, it's just such a wonderful depiction of history and science coming together. And that, to me, is the excitement of, of picture books and Don Tate's work especially, where, you know, I'm old. I'm old enough to be a grandma, well, a grand-aunt, actually. And um, <laughs> I just I just can really appreciate the thrill of learning something new as it's distilled through a good picture book. I can't draw for nothing, but I... I do think I have a gift with words, and so I do try and share my enthusiasm for my subjects through the text that I write and this ultra-top-secret subject that, you know, I'm going to um, message you about. Well, I think I already did message you about it because I couldn't hold the secret anymore. I don't talk about any of my books until after the first draft is done, (laughs) but I couldn't hold this one in. I told you about that one, so keep it over here. Well, well, that—that's why I'm so glad. You know, that's why, Chris, I'm so glad to have you back because I think the thing is, you have been able to harness this power, this gift of words, and use it in so many great word, ways, and to have readers really appreciate you. And I think you really said something important, and it kind of ties into the the book you did this year, who is LeBron James, and that is what Catching the Moon. I mean, I bought that book. I read that book. I was inspired by that book because it does show people 
uh, what is possible, regardless of whether we're talking about young, old, black or white, male, mm-hmm. female. I think it does tell us about possibilities, which raises this question. Did you always think this was possible? Did you always think this career for you was possible? Oh, yeah. When I was <laughs> when I was eight years old, I was – no, ten years old, actually. I was in the gifted program at St. Louis Public School System, and a St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist, Jim Fox, came to my class to give, you know, the talk that all, you know, career day people give. And it's like I saw this, this little man who looked like whatever Humpty Dumpty was supposed to be because, you know, Humpty Dumpty isn't actually an egg. However – dot 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 um and he was just the most unglamorous person mm. i'd ever seen he looked like he should be like tearing bus tickets and driving the 505 mm. i just couldn't understand how this exceedingly dull person could have such an exciting job just by writing and sort of that experience with jim fox coming to the class and then my obsession with Brenda Starr. Again, this is a comic that came out before you were born. It's about this red-headed reporter who had, you could they would draw the glinting stars in her eyes and on her lipstick. And she had this exotic boyfriend named Basil St. John who wore an eye patch. I was convinced. I was, and she jetted all over the world writing stories. So I figured I would take the solid, serious nature of columnist Jim Fox and then the globe-trotting, espionage-laden excitement of Brenda Starr. I was going to have a nine-to-five job where all I'd do was write all day, and I'd have a handsome boyfriend who had an eye patch. Now, it didn't happen exactly like that, but I did get the reporting job. And I started my writing career at New England's largest minority newspaper. It was called the Bay State Banner at the time. Now it just goes by the banner. And Marvin, sorry, <laughs> he's gonna kill me. Melvin Miller, the um, editor and publisher, he he let me run. Just you know, how I am. I ran Buckwild. I, I was young, so I had a lot more energy. And I was living in Boston for the first time, and it was a new city to be. It's an international city. There was always something going on, 24 hours a day. I would. I was supposed to write four stories a week. I ended up averaging 10 stories a week because if there was something that caught my interest, I would call and get a press pass, and I would just go to it. I didn't care if they published the story or not. The story was going to be written. I think I had probably 45 stories banked, just evergreen stories that were ready to go whenever. Uh, When I ended up leaving that job because I was pregnant with my first child, and my blood pressure was out of control, so I had to go on bed rest, and that's that's what took me out of reporting. But since I was on bed rest in Idle Hands, Devil's Workshop, and me, can you even imagine what I would be like, Cyrus, if I just had nothing but time on my hands? Can you just imagine <laughs> what I would get up to? Uh-huh, yeah, and you're exactly right. I decided I would write one of every kind of book because I'd always, like, written stories and I always had some tale to tell, and I would just write them down in notebooks or type them and just leave them in documents on my computer. But once I was on bed rest, I didn't really have anything else to do, literally. So I just started writing books. 
and I, I wrote five young adult books that first year I had my son. He was just the most freakishly well-behaved and tame baby. I mean, he was, he'd be five months old sitting in the bouncy seat right there on the table next to my laptop. And he'd be staring at me with his eyes open, and I would poke him just to make sure he was still alive. That is what a calm baby he was. And so I got a lot of writing done when he was still really small. And I, I, I wasn't sure that I would ever get a book published, even though I had such a history with reporting. But I held out the hope. And one of the biggest helps with that was my friend Jennifer Safry at the time. She was the president of the New England chapter of Romance Writers of America. And the reason I chose to write a romance as my first novel that I would try and get published is because at the time, that was one of the few genres where you didn't need an agent to send in your work for you. Editors were open to new submissions from nobody. And Jennifer really helped me hone in on the different formulas and different tropes in romance, what different houses we're looking for, uh, the style of writing especially. People laugh at romance, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's probably the most popular genre. So that's what all those factors combined to shoot me towards romance. Now, the one mistake I made, I think, the biggest, most horrible, grave mistake I made you know what I'm going to say, don't you? You know, is um, accepting a contract from the first publisher who offered me one for my first romance, which was Suddenly You. And I love that book. Not many people set romances in the terminal cancer ward of um, major metropolitan hospital, but this guy did it. And the story was the book was nominated for an NAACP Image Award. It didn't win, but you know what they say. The nomination is the is nomination, enough. right? Oh God, for me it definitely was enough. Can you imagine me having to go and accept an award? I'd be vomiting and passing out backstage. It'd be a whole a whole thing. But um, I I I didn't to go back to your to answer your question. I didn't expect my writing career to take the trajectory that it has, but I hoped for it, and I I I've worked for it. Jennifer right. is one of the people who t- who taught me each no is one step closer to a yes when it came to sending out manuscripts. And I was really lucky in that my the manuscripts of my first romance novel and the manuscripts for Catching the Moon, my first picture book, they were both contracted the same year within two days of each other. Of course, two days after the two-year deadline, I set for myself to get a book published. And I, I don't know, I think... I want to say I've I've been lucky, and I have been lucky, but you have to define luck as something that you make happen through coming home from your newspaper editing job at 1 in the morning and then writing until 4 in the morning and then getting a couple hours of sleep and then getting up and taking care of your kids all day and then working nights again and, and a whole lot of hard work built my luck is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. I do the job well, there, I'm nervous. You know that. 
Well, look, there is a theme, though. I want to say for those who are just tuning in is on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're welcoming back best-selling author Crystal Hubbard to our broadcast. Um, she was just I was just asking her about did she always know this was going to be her path, and what you all were just hearing was her talk about that path and what's kind of led her to where she is today. But there is a through line, I think, uh, Crystal, especially for your latest work, whether we're talking about Catching the Moon, whether we're talking about Who is LeBron James, or even the book that's coming out at the end of this year year who was John Lewis, and that is tenacity. All three of them had that in common. That is something that I think people would say about you as well. Is that part of the connection you feel with these historical figures, the fact that they were tenacious, they were resilient, and they did not easily give up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we live in a country at a time where things look easy on the surface, you know, the path to success. Oh, all you have to do is put some cute videos on TikTok and a million people will watch them and then advertisers will make you a millionaire. No, even something like that takes work. I think yeah. there was an old Nike slogan that sticks with me. And it goes, um, nothing good comes easy and nothing easy shows how good you are. And that has definitely been, that's been the slogan of of my life. When I wrote the book about um, Tony Stone, whose real name was Marcinia Lyle, she she is what got me through working in sports at the Boston Herald. I was the only woman on the editorial desk in sports. I'd been the only woman of only woman of color to ever sit an editorial desk at the Herald, and I didn't think of it as making history or anything at the time. Again that whole hard work equals luck thing came in where I had to prove myself to all the Archie Bunkers and Peter Pans who worked around me. And after I would finish my shift, I would go into the Herald archive room and just read all the stories I could get my hands on because I was a National League girl working in an American League town, and sports is religion in Boston, so I had to know my stuff and know it quick. But when I came across Tony Stone's story, I mean, everything stopped. It's like I felt as if this is what I got to do. I got to share this woman's story with everybody because if in 1921 when she was born, she could grow up to play professional baseball in the Negro Leagues. As a black woman, back in the 30s slash 40s, 50s, there's absolutely no reason I can't achieve the goals that I set for myself. So, yeah, Tony Stone has always been the picture of tenacity for me. And, I mean, even somebody like LeBron James, for example, where it seems like he was just born to do this amazing stuff, he had to work at it. Yeah. He had to learn how to be a good team player. I mean, when you look, and, of course, but LeBron James, that sneaky rascal, the day that book was released, who was LeBron James, he broke his own scoring record. I was delighted, but also rushing to the editor saying, can we get this update in the next edition of the book? But anyway, he wasn't, I mean, he was born, obviously, to ball, but was he born to be as good at it as he is, or did he have to work for it? And the answer is, yeah, he had to work for it, and he worked hard for it. One of his... If LeBron James has a genius, it is his ability to work really, really hard at his craft for a really long time consistently. And 
that to me is just the ultimate definition of tenacity where he wanted to be the best and so he actually worked to be the best. It didn't fall into his lap. He didn't make it look easy like when you read stories about Muhammad Ali. He had struggles but the media didn't cover it. You didn't you didn't read about it in many in too many children's books. But it, it, it seems like, oh, Muhammad Ali was so great, and it's just a gift of God, and he's 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 just a special case, and he was all those things, I will admit. But hard work. <laughs> no matter how many gifts, no, seriously, no matter how many gifts you're given, if you don't hone them with hard work, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like you, my child, you have this angel baby face. You look like you just graduated from high school. And when I look at the way your trajectory has climbed from the very first time we spoke until, you know, all the stupid things that I send you online and the dumb comments I make on some of your, like when you, I love that video you posted where you had to finally say goodbye to your cell phone. Oh my God. Yeah. That was, this day still cracks me up. But very, very it's difficult. Funny very, where, you know, very trying times. I don't, I know, but here's the thing. I think your cell phone was older than you are. <laughs> so, of course, it had to go at some point. But you, you uh, I mean, remember the time I accused you of being a cyborg? Because yes, I, yes. I, I know for a fact that I don't sleep because I have terrible neuropathy that keeps me up at night. That's a whole other thing, that my battle with chronic pain. But when I go online at 3 in the morning, guess who has already posted a good morning message <laughs> to all of his his readers and his fans, you. Oh. So I mean, when it comes to tenacity, you are one of the examples that I will someday put in the book. And I'm not even kidding you. I've been taking notes about. I mean, with our our radio interviews and our private conversations. Cyrus Reb, Boy Oprah by Crystal Hubbard. <laughs> Well, I, I I love that. I love that, and I appreciate that for sure. I, and but I would want to say this: I was looking forward to this conversation with you because, for one, I, I have such respect and love for you as an individual. Then, of course, as a as an author, and your career is definitely inspiring. And I learned something. I'm a person who loves to learn, and so oh. I want to ask you. I mean, the newest book that's coming out, you and I were just talking about it before we went went um, live here, and that is you have a – I mean, how does it feel? I mean, I just want you to take this in for a second okay. because I don't take the time to take things in, but I want you to – I want our audience okay. to think about this. The author I'm speaking with has released a book on LeBron James, will be releasing a book about the life of the John Lewis. How does that feel, Crystal, to have these two incredible – impactful men be something that you're able to help tell their story with the world? Uh, My first, the first word that popped into my mind to describe that feeling is terrified because these are two people that have had such a tremendous impact on people of all ages in our country and even the world. And one is still kicking and still breaking records and still forcing edits to subsequent <laughs> editions of the book. And the other one, his story is com- complete. And so either with either one, you want to tell their story in full as well as you can. You want it to be balanced where 
not everything is a perfect pearl with roses dangling from it. You want to you, you want to tell the true and balanced story of their lives and their accomplishments because you just want the reader to know the truth about how wonderful these these icons are. It, right. It's I just feel a really weighty obligation to get it right. And mm. that's where the editors come in. I am one of those authors who really relies on her editor. I mean, my grammar is great. My I will turn in a clean manuscript, meaning it's got no typos, it's got no smudges, nothing. It will be it'll be complete and it'll be really, really good because I do lots and lots of research. But no matter how great I think it is, it needs the eye of a good editor to put the polish on it. My diamond is rough when they get it. No matter how good it looks, it's still not done. And I just love the partnership between me and my editor in getting the story right and getting it before its proper audience. They, I can't I can't just take credit for that part of it. I can take credit for like thinking about who I'm going to write about, but when it comes to the book that readers actually get in their hands, it, it my books have two mommies, me and <laughs> whatever editor who is by the way worth her weight in gold helps me get the book out. And in the case of the who is who was books, it's Paula Manzanero at Penguin and Penguin Random House. She Oh boy, she's she's wicked good. Wow, such an amazing thing, and I'm excited about the opportunity. The book is available now. Who was John Lewis? Available now for pre-order. If you all are joining us via podcast, the link to Crystal Hubbard's uh, her catalog on Amazon is there. You guys can go ahead and pre-order it there. If you guys are joining us on the radio side here, at WYAD, we will post it on our Facebook page as well. How do you, Crystal, as we wrap up here, I want to ask you a question that I struggle with and I've talked quite a bit about on this broadcast, and that is the balancing act. I've never been a balanced person, never been good at that. And I'm curious, how do you balance it? How do you balance appreciating the extraordinary career that we've talked about but also realizing that like LeBron James, it's not over yet? Wow, that's that's a good one. Um, I suppose when it comes... You know, it's it's a strange thing because when I'm doing things for and with my family, I'm always thinking about whatever book project I'm working on. And then when I'm writing my books, I'm always thinking about my kids. That's why I always wrote at night because the house was quiet and I could get work done, but I knew where everybody was. You know what I mean? Right. So, but, but I'm lucky now. That's one of the advantages of being old. Your children are older too, so... They can drive themselves where they need to go. I'm I'm not the chauffeur. I stopped being the cook in 2009 when my four children, and bless their hearts, they all love to cook. I haven't had to make dinner on the regular since 2009. Um, so we can cross that off the list. But things like laundry and keeping the house clean and taking care of the pets. And my mother lives, well, she used to live across the street from me. Now she lives in my mother's house, I mean my sister's house, which is, only 200 yards away, so they're still really, really close. So there's plenty of people calling me to ask to ask me to do things for them because since I work from home, 
I must not have a job at all and can just drop whatever I'm doing and run to their beck and call, right? But it's easier now. Back when I first interviewed with you, for example, oh, my goodness, I think, Lord, I don't even know. Oh, yeah, we. I took that interview in my garage. It was like 85 degrees outside. I was sweating like an animal. But I had to take the call in the garage because I, I didn't want to talk in the house and have my kids climbing all over me and screaming and hollering and acting like spider monkeys. So back then it was a lot harder to balance things, and it's all kind of a blur. I, I suppose when when your wife and mom and you work from home, you just do what you can when you can. I wish I had a better answer or an, uh, or an absolute foolproof proof plan, but no plan is ever solid because your own children will be the fools that prove to you that this plan is not going to work. Well, well, I'll tell you, it gives us something to be inspired by, Crystal, but also something to look forward to because we know that there will be much more to come, and that's why I'm glad that we could have you on to be able to talk about this career, but also what is to come. Again, everyone, Crystal Hubbard has been our guest. Of course, make sure you guys should check out who is LeBron James. It is out now, but who was Sean Lewis is coming out in December. It is available for pre-order now. Again, if you guys are joining us via the podcast, a link to her her catalog on Amazon is there. Crystal, really enjoyed this time, as I always do. How can our audience best stay connected with you? Um, I, I, well, if they have a husky that can talk or steal clothes out of the dryer, <laughs> they can always reach me on TikTok, and I communicate through videos. That's how I self-medicate. When I'm feeling bad, I just watch husky videos. And babies, babies too. But they have to be really super cute babies. I don't want any regular babies. Um. Facebook is always a good way to get in touch with me. I'm on Instagram also. I have an X account, but I haven't been on it in ages because if you want to know the truth, I'm a little bit creeped out by Mr. Elon Musk. And uh, I'm on Post, which I don't think anyone's ever heard of anymore. And I'm thinking about going on Threads, but I probably won't because, you know, Facebook is enough. I have a personal account on Facebook and a business account. And guess what, Cyrus? Do you want me to tell you what my next Who Is Was book is going to be? I can tell oh, you Oh, of course. Shirley Chisholm. Oh, wow. That's going to be a good one. That's another tenacious lady. She, I mean, goodness, she is. So, she was something else. I want a Shirley Chisholm wig just and white patent leather shoes to walk around town in so that people know I mean business. <laughs> well, I think we already know you. I, I, I think I think we already know, Crystal. You need you mean business, and that's going to give us something else to look forward to. Crystal, again, congratulations on all your success. So glad we had a chance to catch back up, and looking forward to our next chat together. Absolutely, Cyrus. You know what? We have to meet in person at some point. I think it's at that time. I agree. I, I I agree. I think we should make that happen, and that would be a great um, interview for our Amazon Live platform, I think. We, we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to get together on that and make that happen, Crystal. Well, if you are interviewing Viola Davis, I would be very happy to meet you on that day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thanks a lot for the pressure there, Crystal. I appreciate that. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Thank as always. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. And let's go make today amazing. Take care.